If you have your Bibles, may I encourage you to turn to the book of Isaiah. Turn to the book of Isaiah. And if you have your app, I would encourage you to go to that as well and follow along. I want to begin this morning by getting you involved. All right? I want to ask you a question. And I would like for several of you to speak really loud so that all of us can hear you. To this question. Since becoming a Christian, what command or principle or verse have you found the most difficult to consistently live out and obey? That's a long question, so let me just repeat it. Since becoming a Christian, Christ follower, what command or principle or verse have you found most difficult to consistently live out and obey? Okay, trust in the Lord and lean not into your own understanding. Okay, very good, thank you. Who else? Okay, love your enemies. Okay. Pray, pray for those that persecute you. Okay, very good. Okay, hold on a minute. That was quick. So, Lynn? Oh, oh sorry. In everything, give thanks. Yes. Praise the Lord. There was another one over here. Die to self. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? <laughs> pray, pray for our leaders. There we go. Yes. Thank you for your honesty. That's awesome. That's what we need. Yes. This morning I want us to look at the prophet Isaiah. And why do I want us to look at the prophet Isaiah? We've been working and looking at the prophets. We've also been looking and working on transitioning well. And we've been looking at the prophets because they have some incredible lessons for us to learn and to apply in our life. As we go through life transitions, which many of you are, as well as our body. It's not uncommon for Christians to read a verse of Scripture or be challenged with a verse of Scripture, yet say nothing to the effect of, yes, I agree in principle with this verse or command, but you just don't comprehend my particular, my unique situation. My situation is different. So yes, that verse applies, but it doesn't really apply to me right now because my situation is different. You just don't understand. Someone has said this. People tend to make rules for others 
and exceptions for themselves. Isn't that the truth? We make exceptions for ourselves because in our mind, our situation is unique and you just don't understand. Isaiah chapter 40 is where we're going to be going this morning. If you have that, please turn with me there. But let me give you a little bit of background. Chapters 1 to chapter 39 of Isaiah were written primarily to the northern kingdom. Northern kingdom of Israel. Warning them of an impending fall to Assyria. Which happened during Isaiah's lifetime. All right. And chapters 40 to 46 of Isaiah are written to the southern kingdom of Israel, of Judah, pardon me, to prepare them for an exile that would occur over 100 years after Isaiah died. Powerful book. God's people would be carted off, carried off to a foreign kingdom of Babylon. And yet Isaiah assures that these future readers of God's continual presence with them and his plan to eventually return them to their homes. And that's the beauty about the Old Testament. If you was to read Genesis all the way to 1 Samuel, 1 Kings, 1 Chronicles, there it ends. That's the Old Testament. All the prophets, all the minor prophets, that all occurred in 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. And Ezra and Nehemiah start coming out and playing out what this is all about, of this people coming back. And although this passage was written some 2,700 years ago, I believe it's still relevant to us today. Are there not times when we have been taken captive? Maybe it's not to a foreign country. But it's certainly by our worries, our anxieties, our uncertainties in life, our diseases, our distress, our sadness, and our grief. Are there not times when we are taken captive? And we need a reminding that God is still on the throne and that nothing is beyond the possibility of his redemption. Because sometimes when we've been taken captive, we believe Satan's lies that he has won the battle and that he's winning. But the Lord, back in Isaiah, made it very clear 
and makes it very relevant for us today that he's still on the throne. And so let's go to Isaiah chapter 40, and I want us to begin at verse 21. And let me read these verses to you. Starting off at verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and all its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they have root, take root in the ground, then he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps away them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who, create, who created all these things? He who brings out the starry host one by one calls them out each by name. Just think of that. Because of his great power and mighty strength, no one, not one of them, is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Why are you saying that? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary. All those little ones we sent out, can you imagine? And young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So much here. So let me begin. The first thing, and I kind of took this from a child prayer that we used to say, and you'll know it, but first, God is great. And you already know the second point. God is great. He is bigger than any of my problems. We just seen that in verses 21 to 26. Isaiah here is recording God's greatness. God is so far above the globe, the planet Earth, that we all look like grasshoppers to him. He created the heavens, including every star that hangs across the canopy of the night sky. It's been a blessing living out in the country 
and not having yard lights and street lights and looking up and seeing that. It's incredible. And in verse 26, Isaiah says God holds every star in place. It's hard to comprehend. Earthly rulers are like seeds that are swept away by the wind. They serve at God's pleasure, whether they know it or not. Whether our federal or provincial leaders know that, God is in control. They're here today, gone tomorrow. And then God says, who are you going to compare me with? There is no one my size, no one with my strength. If God is great, that means he is greater than any of my problems. Think about some of the Bible characters who faced great challenges. Moses stuttered. And so God gave him a sidekick called Aaron. David was tiny. And so God guided his smooth stone right into Goliath's forehead. Mary was unmarried. And so the Holy Spirit placed a seed, and that seed inside her womb. Paul had a thorn in the flesh so that God could say, my grace is sufficient for you. Jesus endured the cross, so God gave him a resurrection. As I was thinking about this, I remember it as of yesterday, being in the neonatal ICU, where my newborn son had just been born. Colleen was in recovery because they had all overdosed her and almost killed her. And her body went into shock early. And so he was born at 29 weeks and he weighed two pounds. There was lots going through my mind. I had two little girls. My folks were in Turkey as missionaries. Colleen's folks were very worked up about their daughters, so they were no mental state. My sister wasn't married yet, so I had her come and look after my two little girls so I could be at the hospital. And as I was crying out, because I felt all alone, God clearly showed me that he was still there. He's still there. These were huge. To me, it was huge. Right? What was I going to do if Colleen passed away? What would that look like? At the time, I was working two jobs, and I was going to school. And we were renovating. Because Colleen always saw renovations as a great thing to do. And then she took a sabbatical and ended up in the hospital. You see, God is bigger than anything you and I face. My problem seemed really big. 
But God is bigger. And when we're in the midst of difficulty, when we just get diagnosed with something that devastates us, that knocks the wind out of us, when our best friend betrays us, and yes, when our spouse is about to die, or that problem or that challenge seems absolutely overwhelming and impossible to survive, if we remain faithful, God is bigger. God is bigger. God is great, and God is good. Verses 27 to 31. God's people are headed off to exile. For 70 years, they would wonder whether God had abandoned them. He forgot about us. It even states it. If I could paraphrase it for you, it'd be like this. Lord, you don't understand our situation. Where are you, God? Sound familiar? See how they put it. If you look in the verses here, 27 to 31. Our way is hidden from the Lord. Our situation escapes his notice. He doesn't care about us anymore. And yet, consider Isaiah's challenge to them in verse 27. He says this, Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Why? Here's the message for us. Do you ever find yourself believing that God has given up on you? Do you ever think, maybe he's too busy? Maybe he doesn't care. There's a rock song like that. I like listening to rock. Sorry. You can talk to me about that later. But there's a song about where God starts this world spinning and then he's off afar. And there's many people that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior see this maker as one who does not care. It's, temp- it's tempting. Sometimes God seems a long ways away. Okay, when we go through what we're going through in our lives, in our marriages, in our health, and we wonder if he knows, and if he does, does he even care? Does he really care? Isaiah reminds us, yes, God cares God is good. Look at verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Right when you think you are at the end of the rope, God helps you keep going. Put one foot in front of the other. 
He gets you out of bed in the morning. He helps you leave your room one more time to keep going forward, to keep living, to keep on living. I read a story of one who spent a couple hours in the emergency room with a veteran who was having delusions that everyone was out to get him and his family and his country. The story went on to say that they convinced him that it would be okay for him to come and go to a mental health unit where he voluntarily went. Later, he wanted to leave. And the team and the doctor continued to work with him to see what was best for him in his life and his family. And through all this, both he and his wife had mentioned a desire to consider getting to know God better. They just mentioned it really briefly. Even through the challenges of believing the whole world is out to get you. Somehow God can speak to your soul and say, I care about you. You matter to me. And that's what this veteran and his wife experienced. If you're here today, and you're in that spot, know that he cares about you. That you matter to him. And you might say, okay, okay, okay. I acknowledge that point. He does fully comprehend and understand my situation. But then what? What do I do? Look at that verse again, 29, as it reads out. He will, he will not grow tired and weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Whose strength is exchanged here when we read this verse? Whose strength is this? The answer is, my strength is exchanged for God's strength. Okay? When I thought I could not go on any longer, like what in the world, and all these different pressures of life, it's not my strength, it's God's strength. When, God, when Isaiah is talking about exchanging my strength for his strength, that's what he's talking about. I'm exchanging something worse for something better. I'm exchanging my weak, finite, limited, exhaustible strength for his strong, infinite, unlimited, inexhaustible strength. 
God is great. God is good. And so what is our job? Our job is to put your hope in the Lord. Put your hope in the Lord. Look at verses 30 and 31. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not paint. Hope here means certain expectation. Certain expectation. It's not like you hope you're going to win the lottery. That's not what it's talking about. That's not the type of hope. It's more like you know God will come through one way or another. That's the hope. Some translations say this, wait on the Lord. You might have that with your translation. One scholar said this, to wait on the Lord literally means to cling to him as a vine entwines itself around a tree. Cling to him. My question I have for you, are you hanging on to God with all you have? Your hope is in him. And so what Isaiah is saying is that you will be able to overcome the natural, the impossible, and to live in a way that we could not live before, in a way that would seem impossible before. But you will be able to now, in the strength that God provides, in the strength he exchanges for your strength. That's exciting. That's exciting. The world watches us. And last message, I used the illustration of the sponge. And when you get squeezed, what's coming out? Here it is. Are we waiting on the Lord? Is our hope in the Lord? You see, there are all sorts of impossible situations we face. Whether it's loving other people, accepting each other, whether it's not getting angry or frustrated over a situation or a person or children, whether it's dying to myself, which was mentioned, or having an attitude of submission, or giving up my rights. We face many impossible situations, impossible in terms of living by God's way. It's impossible. And as we come face to face with these impossible situations, We know what God says, what he commands us to do. And we know how we're supposed to respond. And yet, there are times when we say, but God, I can't do it. 
I've tried it. It's impossible. I can't handle it anymore. I can't live that way. I can't live the way you want me to. I can't respond the way you want me to, to that situation. I can't do it. It's impossible. And that's when he says to us, I know you can't. But when you exchange my strength for your strength, you can. A.W. Tozer said it like this. We have, a, we have switched from our little human battery to an infinite power of God. Like when the prophet Jeremiah walked the streets of Jerusalem, which we took a look at, right after the destruction of Jerusalem, and he looked at the desolation around him, and he prayed to the heavens, Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. How could he pray for that? Because he hoped in the Lord. Sometimes we are so, so tired. We don't see any way forward. And yet we continue to put one foot in front of the other. We keep trusting. We keep trying. We may have to reach the end of our rope, but God never will. And God comes through every time. He renews us. He takes our weariness and he replaces it with his strength. Apostle Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. When I am weak, then I am strong. God helps us to soar again like eagles, to run like we are in a marathon, and at the very least to walk without fainting. And some of us would be happy with that. There's five realities to remember as I wrap this up. First of all, God sees you. God sees you. God knows everything about your story. God is working in and on your story, even though you might not see it, God is working. Fourth thing, God is greater, period, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. God is greater. And God will use your present pain in your future story for your good and for his glory. And we get this from Isaiah as he's talking to the southern kingdom. If you're tired today, quit trying harder and start trusting more. Give that problem 
to God, who is so much bigger. And so good to care for you personally. Hope in the Lord. Wait in the Lord. And watch how God will move for his good, for his glory, for your good, for his glory. Let me just pray. And as we pray, as I pray, I'm going to ask the team to come up. I'll ask the elders to come up as well. If any of you, though, would like prayer, may I encourage you to come up and pray. We would love to pray with you. Father, thank you for using this great prophet Isaiah to write down these words for us today. They bring hope to our soul. Much like they must have done for those who were in exile. Lord, you know that some of us feel quite down this morning. You know also that others of us will go through a challenge in the future. And some have survived a major one in the past. And in every case, Dear Father, you were there. And you are there, and you will be there. Help us to remember that you are great. Help us remember that you are good. Help us put our hope in you to wait on you, to know that you are at work behind the scenes, to bring good from evil, joy from sorrow, day from night, as we trust you. And Lord, we pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.